If you have a Bible now, please open to Colossians, the letter of the Apostle Paul, to the Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 24 through 29. I'm going to focus my message on just two verses, verses 28 and 29, but let me read the whole paragraph so we get some context. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray once more, please. So Father, that is your word and we give thanks to you for it. I pray now, Father, that you would incline all of our hearts to your word, to these testimonies. I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes this morning so that we could behold wondrous things from your word. I pray, Father, that we would be taught by you to walk in your truth from this text. Unite our hearts, Father, to fear your name. And finally, Father, please now satisfy us your sons, your daughters, with your steadfast, faithful, covenant, loyal love, that we may rejoice and be glad. For your fame, for your renown, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am excited to be back this morning from my sabbatical. It is good. It was so sweet. Thank you. One of the Soma Kids that's up the hill uh, stood right over there just before we started and said, I'm happy you're back. And I said to her, I'm happy to be back. And it is, it is good to be back. I just want to reiterate what I said before I went on sabbatical. I'm thankful to the elders for agreeing and encouraging me to take this sabbatical. I want to thank all of our deacons and leaders, the worship leaders, Roger and Dwayne, uh, the different guest speakers and other guests that, that did everything that they did during the 10 weeks I was gone. Can we give all of them a hand? And, and that's a lot of you, too, that just picked up the slack, so to speak. I hate to, to make it sound like that, but, but you did so many things. It was fun to hear reports a little bit along the way. My family was real good, uh, not to tell me too much, uh, but, but then after uh, this week as I returned, it was funny. Several times they'd say, so can we tell you about church now? Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I just, I just want to say thank you, and it's good. Um, thank you for being supportive also. I was so blessed on that uh, last Sunday in June, before taking off, you you said, we're praying for you, Paul, and I know you did. Um, several of you sent me a text 
or a voicemail or just different ways of, of letting me know you were praying for me and that was a, vo- a blessing and an encouragement. I am blessed beyond measure. God is good. The church is good and, and so thank you. But as I said, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm excited to be back. Um, I keep hearing this old song. Some of you will know I'm, I'm back in the saddle again. Like I just kind of keep hearing that uh, a little bit. I don't know if I should, but that's kind of what's going on. This morning, I want to do three things. Uh, and this, this, this sermon has a real creative title. You ready? It's called Sabbatical Return Sermon. Not, not very fun. Uh, and by the way, let me just say to uh, next Sunday, since, since Saturday is going to be full with the, the funeral, graveside, and memorial, uh, I have a good friend. His name is Daniel Flores. Uh, that is going to speak, and he'll be here opening God's Word. I'm excited, and I'll be here too, but he's going he's gonna to preach next Sunday. Then in two weeks, the plan, Lord willing, is for me to return into Titus. Uh, we have a little bit of catch-up to do. There was a section in Titus 2 that we never got to back in the spring. And then, Lord willing, in three weeks, I'm going to start a series in the book. Are you ready? Not Revelation. Not Genesis. Not Romans, those are all good, but Hebrews. You know, it's not a hard one. Well, maybe, you know, uh, no, I, uh, I'll have more to say then, but one way to communicate the big theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater and better than angels and the law and Moses and the prophets. It's all about Jesus. He is so superior to everything, and we need to hear that word. I think, over and over and over again. And so there were several points on my sabbatical where I kept coming to Hebrews. Of course, we started the sabbatical with this series called Runner, Hebrews 12, thinking about uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? The author, perfecter of our faith. So I've been, I've been thinking about that and I just, I think God wants us to spend some time in the book of Hebrews. So that, Lord willing, is coming. So that's a bit of kind of where we're going. But for today, for this very generic sabbatical return sermon, uh, and it's going to be kind of more of a talk, so I, I'm sorry um, for that if, if, you know, that's not your thing, but I want to do this. And so three things. Number one, I want to give a brief report of my sabbatical. Number two, I want to share what I'm calling a renewed, and I want to stress that word, renewed philosophy of ministry. Okay, and I'll explain that. And then number three, I want to share my desire of how I plan to pursue that philosophy of ministry. So a brief sabbatical report, a renewed philosophy of ministry, and then how I desire to pursue that philosophy of ministry. Okay, so that's, that's where we are going. And then it also is the first Sunday of the month. I hope everyone received uh, their little chalice so we can celebrate the Lord's Supper today as well. All right, first then, a sabbatical report. I wrote to you a couple days into my sabbatical. One of the members of my family was not happy that I was working uh, just a couple days in, but I wanted to get some thoughts out that had been brewing and I had been creating some notes and finally that was the occasion. Uh, But this is part of what I wrote in that letter. Maybe you didn't see it, maybe you forgot or whatever, but I I talked about the word sabbatical. So it, it has its roots in the biblical concept of Sabbath. Okay, that's kind of the connection to that English word, sabbatical, Sabbath, they kind of share that. And of course, Sabbath speaks of that day of rest the Lord commanded his people to have and to to honor the Sabbath, to keep it holy, 
Um, and that kind of goes back even to how God in creating, created the earth in six days and then he rested on the seventh. So God did that. There's this pattern and he wants his people to have rest. Hebrews is going to talk about how we are in uh, at a place of rest. We have a Sabbath rest because of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but, but that's where this idea comes from. Of course, in academic circles, if you went to college or if you know professors, often professors will have an academic sabbatical where they will get a semester to write a book, write a paper, research a topic, and kind of produce some material. Uh, but for, for me, and, and by the way, some pastors take a sabbatical for that purpose. I didn't. I, don't, I didn't have a desire to write a book. I still don't. Uh, there's nothing like that in my soul at the moment. But my sabbatical was was about an extended period, 10 weeks, to step away from the day-to-day practices of SOMA in particular in order to focus on spiritual development with an eye toward returning with renewed energy. The intention and prayer for me was to rest, to regain energy and focus, uh, connection to inner spiritual resources, the, the the Holy Spirit and my union with the Lord and uh, all of that, all of it for the sake of being renewed for a long ministry here at Soma. So I'm not resigning today. Um, you know, nothing, nothing like that. Praise the Lord. Um, that goal or purpose, um, I believe, was accomplished. Uh, I did enjoy extended time alone with the Lord. I got to visit a couple places by myself and uh, just have quiet and, again, extended time with God as well as extended time when I was back. Um, I was blessed to go to Angels Camp, uh, California, and it was hot. It was like 100 degrees and dry, and my body loves that kind of weather, and so that felt good. Uh, I always say I like that kind of weather as long as I don't have to dig a ditch and do physical labor in it, uh, so that was good. I, I got to visit the big island of Hawaii. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a moment. I enjoyed vacation time with the family. I enjoyed extra time with with my kids. Kristen and I enjoyed celebrating our 28th anniversary while on sabbatical. I turned 48 just a couple of weeks ago and enjoyed birthday time. I enjoyed reading two biographies. I don't do a lot of that kind of reading. Um, One of the biographies I've been reading for about seven years and I got back into it. It's a real fat biography on Michael Jordan. And I also began a biography on R.C. Sproul, who who went home to be with the Lord now, I think three and a half years ago. I enjoyed visiting different churches uh, while here in Sonoma County, as well as uh, when I traveled. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed beginning an online course of of sorts uh, for pastors, produced by pastors called Behind the Pulpit. I enjoyed many conversations with friends, local, friends away, friends that are pastors. Uh, And I enjoyed conversation with two new friends. And and so this gets to my trip to Hawaii. Rick and Janet Hahn, they are a couple that hosted me in Hawaii. Uh, So Rick uh, pastored for over 30 years. Uh, and the last 14 or so, he was in Elk Grove, kind of Sacramento area, at Grace Church, which is part of our association. It's a free church in Elk Grove. I, I did meet him um, along the way as we started SOMA when we would get together for denominational gatherings. But um, he and his family, they had the privilege of going to Hawaii at several points for anniversaries, for vacations. And then uh, when he had his sabbatical, 
he, he was blessed. Someone in his church from Elk Grove had a sibling on the big island who was going to be gone for 10 weeks. So they said, why don't you and Janet come and spend your whole sabbatical and, uh, on the big island? And, and they said, well, sure we will. And so uh, they went there and he uh, rested and did those things. He also learned to make ukuleles. It's not a ukulele. It's a ukulele, I'm told. And so now that's what he does in retirement, sort of on the side. He makes these custom ukuleles. But after being there for 10 weeks, they fell in love with the big island. And their heart's desire was, Lord, when it's time to retire, if you would welcome it, we would love to retire on the big island. A lot of us would. Uh, But in retirement, they aren't just sitting in their house making ukuleles. They, They are uh, running a ministry they they call Hospitality ho- Home. I can't say it in Hawaiian. Hospitality Home uh, in English. And they are inviting pastors and uh, missionaries, uh, sometimes, you know, just the pastor, just a missionary or a family that, that want or need a rest to come. And they uh, fed me and they took me around. I got to visit a chocolate farm and learn how good chocolate is made. I got to do coffee tasting in Kona, we, we watched the sunset almost every night. Uh, we saw that green flash, if you've ever heard about that. I saw it twice. Look it up, not now, but later. Um, pretty amazing. Uh, let's see. I got to snorkel for the first time. Uh, the highlight in snorkeling, I'm, I'm you know just right at the surface looking at all these amazing fish uh, right below me. And Rick all of a sudden says, Paul, there's a turtle right in front of you. And so I just glanced my eyes up, and that turtle was no more than three feet away. I mean, I could have grabbed its shell and done a little dance. Uh, That was amazing uh, to snorkel and to get to do that. I visited um, Grace Kona. It's our EV Free Church on the Big Island in Kona and got to worship there. Um, On and on. But but really, all of that was great and fun. Um, I did get to have fresh mango and papaya almost every morning. I know. I bought an organic mango from Trader Joe's. It was nothing like the Hawaiian mangoes. But the highlight was Rick and Janet, these new friends, really getting to know them. And there was no agenda. Really, they kind of put the ball in my court. As much as I wanted to share and talk, I could. They asked some leading questions, but really they got to know me. They got to know my family a bit. They got to know the context of Soma and and that was great. Rick was, again, 30 years uh, in the ministry, so a lot of wisdom, a lot of counsel. But, but more than anything, um, he just encouraged me to pursue what was on my heart, which was rest, renewal, all for the goal of coming back, uh, having been refreshed and renewed. Oh, I should note, um, I also got to watch the Niners' first preseason game while in Hawaii. So that was uh, very good, too. So that's just a snapshot, uh, a snapshot. And I've got lots of snapshots on the phone. So if you ever want to see some turtles or some photos, let me know. I'd love to show those to you. But, but it was restful. It was enjoyable the whole time. Um, and I do feel like I've returned with energy and focus. Um, I hope it, the sabbatical was good for you, the church, too. I, I know there was a lot to do, a lot of figuring things out. Um, and I think that's good for our small church. Um, but I, I, I had prayed throughout, and I prayed, too, that um, it wasn't just for me th- this time. So we'll see how the Lord's grace plays that out in the weeks to come. So number two, then, besides that brief uh, overview of my sabbatical, let me talk about a renewed philosophy 
of ministry. I would say this is one of the immediate fruits from my time in sabbatical. A philosophy of ministry is simply another way of talking about a purpose statement. Okay, if you're like philosophy of ministry, it's a purpose statement. Um, I can remember in one of my earliest classes uh, in seminary, um, kind of a practical ministry course, we had to come up with a philosophy of ministry. We had to look at the New Testament, see what the scripture said, and, and out of that, try to come up with something that might guide us as we went forward. And for me at the time, it was being a youth pastor for a lot of years, and then eventually uh, starting SOMA. And, and so the one I came up with, is based out of Colossians 1, 28 and 29. I read it to you. Let me reread it to you. Him, speaking of Jesus, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. I mean, that's a good enough philosophy of ministry as it is, but the little statement that I came up with and very likely borrowed from somebody along the way too was was this, helping people begin and mature in their relationship with Jesus. Those two verses, in my mind, boiled down to the Apostle Paul and, and Timothy and the others with him, but then for me, are all about wanting to help people begin so it helped people come to know Jesus, help them uh, hear the gospel and respond and, and start a relationship with Jesus, and then to help them mature in that relationship with Jesus, to grow deeper in love with God, to grow deeper in that their union with, with the Lord, uh, to grow deeper in knowing Him experientially and, know, and knowing things. I mean, the whole gamut of, of maturity that, that will be our lifetime helping people begin and mature in their relationship with Jesus. Now, I said out of the sabbatical came a renewed philosophy of ministry. So really, it's this phrase with with a slight change at the end. And I think it's still found in this text, but but coming out. And I I think it kind of clicked for me when I was worshiping in Hawaii at at this church. Uh, There was just a phrase on, on their wall about following Jesus. But it was like that was kind of nearing toward the end. I knew I'd be coming back in a couple days, and then it would be a couple weeks until today. And so kind of all the journaling I had done and thoughts, the Lord took that, that phrase, following Jesus, and gave me this renewed philosophy. Helping people begin and mature in following Jesus. Helping people begin and mature in following Jesus. Now, to, to have a biblical relationship with Jesus is, in fact, to follow him. Or we could say to, to follow him biblically does, of course, mean to have a relationship with him. But there's something about following Jesus. It, it speaks of ongoing. It's not done. We haven't arrived. It's, it's going to be something we do until either the Lord takes us home to be with him, or should he not, should, should he... Keep us here, keep me here until he return. So until one of those times, I want to help people, our church, whomever, begin and mature in following Jesus. And I love, again, that just slight nuance change because it's an active thing. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. Let me 
Let me highlight a few things in these two verses. I mean, God's word says it better even than that little phrase. Uh, listen to, to the details in these two verses, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and, and all that the Apostle Paul had to say about his ministry. And again, this is where I bring this phrase from. He says, first off, him we proclaim. So he's speaking of Jesus. The verses right before make it clear that's who he's speaking of. That's the context. In fact, in verse 25, just a few verses up, he said that he became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The NIV translates that to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So now in verse 28, just a few verses later, Paul says that that by proclaiming Jesus, in, in essence, that is making the word of God fully known. Or we could say that we see that the fullness of God's word is in fact Jesus. One writer says it this way, we will never be able to plumb the depths of knowing Christ, but God's word will always take us deeper into him. If you've been a follower of Jesus a month, a year, 10 years, 20 plus years, um, you, you will never plumb the depths of knowing Jesus. And so to, to make the word of God known in its fullness is in fact to proclaim Christ and to show that all of the scripture ultimately is pointing to him in one way or another. And so Paul says, him we proclaim as apostles and, and ministers. And so I too long to proclaim Jesus. And then notice in this verse, he says the word everyone three times. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Paul, did you miss anyone? No. He says everyone three times as if to underscore. He wants everyone he comes in contact with to, to hear this. Everyone. He, he, he's not just talking to grown-ups, to, to adults. He's not just all about kids or youth or one type of person. No, everyone. He wants everyone to, to hear all of this. He then speaks of warning and teaching. You could think of it as a negative piece, if you will, and a positive piece. So as he proclaims Jesus to everyone, there's going to be some warning involved to everyone. And don't think that just refers to those that don't believe and don't know that he's warning them about the future, although that's part of it. He, he is, he would, but he, he wants to warn the church too. You see, uh, to warn can mean to admonish. That's how the NIV puts it. Literally, the word means to straighten out thinking, to straighten out thinking. Um, it's a matter of correction where, where somebody has gone wrong. Uh, starting in the right place is never a guarantee of, of staying in the right uh, place. Um, one writer illustrates this with a wonderful picture. Think of a, a ship out on the ocean. Because of all the different forces at work on the sea, a ship's course needs constant adjustment. Do we have any sailors? Anybody done sailing? Okay, some of you, right? Uh, a ship's course needs constant adjustment. And that's so true of the Christian life as well. We are constantly in need of coming back to Jesus, being focused that the Christian life is about Jesus. It's not about us. The Christian life is not about us. It's about him. 
We need to hear over and over who Jesus is, what he has done. I, I love the quote from Tim Keller, the, the, the gospel, the good news, uh, and obviously that centers in most specifically in the person and work of Jesus. That The gospel is not the ABCs of the Christian life, and then we grow on, grow up into more things. No, the gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. We, we need to hear it over and over again. We need to be warned. And then he puts it positively. He says there's, there's teaching to be done, and that does involve some knowledge, some, some learning, uh, but really it, it's about a, a life change. I love how Paul would say it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He says the goal or the aim of our instruction is love. The, the goal of Paul's teaching wasn't just that they would be really smart Christians. It's that that knowledge would work its way out so they would be people that love, love God, love one another. So that's kind of a positive way of put it. And all of this, he says, he needs to do with all wisdom. It takes wisdom to know when and how to admonish or warn. It takes wisdom in teaching, knowing what to teach, how to teach it, whether that be in a big setting, corporately, if you will, or one-on-one in pastoral counseling context, whatever it may be. There's constant attacks coming at the church, coming at God's people. One of the things that for months now, I've been, I don't know, focused maybe is too strong of a word, but aware of, and, and it, it bugs me, and, and it's something that I've been doing more and more reading on and talking about kind of unofficially and in context um, is something we could simply call progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. Um, Really, it's just another way to describe liberal Christianity. It's just yesterday's liberal Christianity, which really isn't biblical Christianity at all. It's just kind of dressed up in in more modern terms. Uh, But progressive Christianity, there's a book called The Ten Commandments, of progressive Christianity. It's kind of a play on the idea that God gave the people of Israel the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, and and so those that hold to progressive Christianity, well, they have kind of their own Ten uh, Commandments, if you will, and so this book seeks to address and respond to each of those. It's not for those. It's, again, kind of critiquing it. Uh, This is a guy named Michael Kruger. He's a New Testament scholar, and this is a quote. Let me read it and then illustrate. This term, progressive Christianity, captures a version of Christianity where we are told, for example, that people are inherently good, that Christ is not a savior, but a moral example, that doctrine and theology, that they are the problem, not the solution, and that this life matters more than the next, that our highest calling is just to be a good person. So there's partial truth in all of that, that there is. So for example, the the first example he gave, that people are inherently good. Yes, every person is made in the image of God. Therefore, every person has intrinsic value. Every person is an image bearer and valuable. But that doesn't mean biblically that every person is inherently good. In fact, the Bible is very clear that every person is born a sinner. Every person is born spiritually dead, 
spiritually separated from God, in need of God's work of saving, of regenerating, of justifying, all of that. So to say that we are inherently good, that's not true. We are inherently valuable as image bearers. We are, in fact, I think, arguably the pinnacle of God's creation, humanity. But that's not the same as saying that we're inherently good. And so I think it distorts things. We need a Savior. And so I want to help. This is me now as your pastor. As I return from sabbatical, refreshed and renewed, I want to continue to help people begin and mature in following Jesus. And I want to do it by proclaiming the word of God with the fullness of the Lord Jesus at the core of the different things that I teach, whether it's from this pulpit here or in one-on-one or counseling or groups, whatever it may be. I want to admonish. I want to teach with wisdom so that everyone, everyone, everyone may one day stand before the Lord mature. Complete. It's a process. And that's, that's my goal. I, I join the Apostle Paul in wanting to do this. And that leads into verse 29. Paul says, For this I toil, struggling. The NIV puts it like this, strenuously contending. The Christian Standard Bible says, labor, striving. Okay, It's like crazy people that do triathlons or run marathons. Those kind of people right? But look what he says. I I toil, I struggle. It's real work. But he says it's with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Don't you love that? The Apostle Paul toiled and struggled. He labored, he strived, he strenuously contended. But it was with God's energy that was powerfully at work within him. That, that weird juxtaposition that, that it's us, but it's the Lord in us, the Lord doing it, and it's this place of dependence. I can do nothing apart from you, Lord Jesus. And, and so I join the Apostle Paul saying, okay, this, this desire, this renewed philosophy to help people begin and mature in following Jesus. Lord, I will toil in this. I will struggle, but your energy better be the energy source because I can't do it if I'm doing it in the flesh. I need your energy that powerfully works in me. I need the same energy, Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead. And according to Romans 8, that's in me. That's in you as well. And whatever ministry God has given you, parents in your home, husbands and wives in your relationship, all of you with friends, coworkers, in, in all of it, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So you too can toil and struggle knowing that it is God's energy that's powerfully at work within you. That's how we do the Christian life. That's how we do whatever God's called us to do. That's what I, how I long to do it as your pastor. And that leads then finally to number three, how I desire to pursue this. And so this will be brief before we take the Lord's Supper. Uh, three words, they all start with P. I heard this on a podcast early in my sabbatical. And again, I, as I was reading things, listening to things, just, I was collecting different things, and this just fit like a perfect way to say, Lord, if you'd be willing, this is how I want to pursue this renewed philosophy. So three Ps, preaching, praying, and being with people. Preaching, praying, and being with 
people. So just briefly, preaching. Again, I just said it too, but it's not just this, you know, standing behind a lectern preaching, okay? Uh, it simply means it's the Word of God that is my message. Whether it's this, whether it's if we're sitting down across coffee, if we're sitting in my office, if we're out on a walk, um, I, I want to communicate the Word of God to you. Um, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says it best. The grass withers, the flower fades, ideas come and go, but the Word of our God will stand forever. So you have permission. If you ever feel like I'm not preaching this, whether it's again in this context or any other context, please come to me and tell me that. Go to the elders after you've come to me and then let's let's figure that out. That's preaching. Number two, praying. Um, the apostles in the earliest days of the church, as the church was growing and there were needs and, and people had to serve, they realized, and again, they were the apostles. I'm not an apostle, but but they realized as the early leaders, if you will, of the new young church, Acts 6-4, they said, we will dev- devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And so uh, I need to also be devoted to prayer. I need to be a praying pastor. I need to be a praying person. And I need to do more of that. I need to seek him for the wisdom in admonishing and teaching. I need to pray uh, because he's worthy of prayer, right? He is worthy. We are needy. I want to seek his face before I seek his hand. All of those things you've started to hear over the last several months. So preaching, praying, and then number three, being with people. I'm, I'm not going to hide away in my office just to prepare teaching and, and wear out the knee spots in my pants. Uh, no, I, I intend to, to spend time uh, with with you all, with others. Uh, that That is what the ministry is all about, being with people. So uh, I, I'm back. If, if Like, when are we having coffee? When are we hanging out, uh, you know, for, for a cold beverage? Come, let's... Let's set up some appointments. It's time to spend more and more time with people. So that's, that's my sabbatical return message. A little update. My renewed philosophy of ministry, I, I long to help people, help us. Some of you, maybe, begin. If you don't yet follow Jesus, you have questions about what does it mean to, to be a Christian, I, I long to help you in that. For most of us, I long to help us all grow in maturity as we follow, follow him. And, and my aim is to do it, my desire, by preaching, by praying, and by being with you. Is that all right? Cool. Go ahead and grab your chalice. It's wonderful that we, we have the bread and the cup. And again, in this environment, the, the pandemic environment, we, we do it this way still. Everybody's kind of got their own little serving of it. But again, just briefly, uh, th- this is a family meal. So um, our, our normal routine, and we're going to do it now, uh, is in a moment, on my word, you'll, you'll peel back uh, the section with the little bread, and then we will take that and we'll eat it together because it's a family meal. And then on my word, we'll peel back the juice side, and we will we will drink that together. But these elements, and they're just that. It's just a cracker. It's just some juice. 
They, they are a picture of the Lord Jesus, of the gospel. So the Apostle Paul was given instruction and he passed it on to us, to the church. In 1 Corinthians 11, he said, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's do that. Let's take the bread and let's eat together in remembrance. And then verse 25, in the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. And then he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. And so we do today. Proclaim the Lord's death. We also proclaim by these elements that he's coming because he said, I will eat this with you when I return. So we say, come, Jesus, come. We want you. We need you. Would you pray once more with me and the others in the worship team are going to come back up and we're going to sing one more song this morning. So we thank you, Father, for the gospel and we thank you for the picture of the gospel in these elements. We thank you that we can, as a church family, take and eat and drink and remember Thank you for your sacrifice. And it is good news. Without that, we could not, we would not be your sons, your daughters. May this meal nourish us as we remember, as you've said. In Jesus' name, amen.